This is the EPLOG audio experience. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed are the host's own and do not represent the views, thoughts and opinions of EPLOG Media Private Limited. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes and or entertainment purposes only. Listener discretion advised. Welcome back to History Chatter. We just had a five-episode series on integration of princely states in our Freedom Month of August. This week, India is hosting the world. That's the G20 summit meeting happening in New Delhi. And how can History Chatter not address that big an event. So this week we've decided to introduce you briefly to G20 with two or three broad questions. What is G20? When did it start and what has it done so far? Frankly, you've had a great deal of coverage round the clock throughout the year about what has been happening this year in India. So I'll not take up that part at all. In this episode, which is our G20 special episode, I'll give you a brief history of G20 until this summit meeting in India or until India's presidency, to be precise. What is G20? The G20 also known as the Group of 20, includes the 20 most rich and powerful countries in the world. It's as simple as that. And which countries are these? Let me start counting their names. It's Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and last but not the least, the United States of America, in addition, of course, to the European Union. As of now, collectively, the G20 countries represent over 80% of the global GDP, 70% of worldwide trade, and 60% of the arts population. You can quite easily understand how big this institution is and how powerful globally. It was established, uh, in fact, I was surprised, I am surprised that uh, It took so long for something like G20 to come about. It was established in 1999. Since, or in the wake, I suppose, of the Asian financial crisis, it was conceived uh, as a platform initially for finance ministers and central bank governors of these 20 or so larger countries in the world to engage in discussions about global economic and financial matters. Later, it rose to the level of uh, the heads of state or government and earned, quite justifiably, the title of, and I quote, the primary arena for international economic cooperation. 
unquote. Beginning in um, 2011, the G20 summit uh, convents annually, every year once, that is, and um, with a rotating presidency, which takes the lead. Initially, it was centered predominantly around macroeconomic policies. Later, the G20 scope has um, broadened to cover various areas, including trade, climate change, sustainable development, energy, environment, and anti-corruption drives. The G20 lacks a formal charter and a formal headquarters or secretariat. Instead, it has the presidency, annual presidency, with support from the previous and succeeding presidencies. And these three presidencies are known as the Troika. So this Troika takes on the role of shaping the annual summit's agenda. This responsibility is carried out through the leadership of Sherpas. Now, Sherpas are the personal representatives of their respective countries' leaders. These Sherpas guide the year-long negotiation process. They engage in discussions on summit agenda items, and they ensure the coordinated progress of the G20's substantive work. Now, the G20's activities are organized into two distinct tracks. The first is the finance track, and the second is the Sherpa track. These tracks include specialized working groups, which focus on specific themes. In these focus groups, you have representatives from member countries and their relevant ministries. You have invited guest nations and various international organizations which come together. Now, these working groups also convene regularly throughout each presidency's duration. The agenda is determined not only by um, the ongoing economic circumstances, but also by objectives and commitments established in earlier years or earlier summit meetings. So the G20 maintains a multi-year mandate to ensure the continuity of its uh, institutional efforts. And it's become now quite customary to um, call forth a select group of non-G20 member countries and international organizations. The composition of these invited countries may change from year to year, except Spain, which is a permanent invitee to G20. Among the regular participants in the G20 process, um, um, we also include um, esteemed international institutions such as the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, the United Nations, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, the World Trade Organization, WTO, the International Labor Organization, or ILO, and the Financial Stability Board, or FSB. Additionally, countries are presiding over regional organizations like ASEAN, the African Union, and NEPAD Development Program, and so forth, actively engage in G20 activities. 
the presidency in office at any given time has the authority to extend invitations to other countries and international organizations for G20 meetings and summits as the topmost and the most important uh, part of the annual convention of G20 countries. The inaugural, the first G20 summit um, took place in 2008 in in Washington, D.C. It marked the beginning of uh, a major transformation in global finance, um, which had not been seen in over six decades. Later, during the follow-up summit, which was held in London in um, 2009, the G20 members reached a consensus to identify and blacklist countries which refuse to cooperate in, in combating tax evasion and avoidance. In response to the fallout from the 2008 financial crisis, the G20 also committed to implementing more stringent regulations on hedge funds and rating agencies. Quite radical stuff, really. Now, one of the key institutional reforms uh, during this period involved expanding the role of the Financial Stability Forum, or FSF, which was to enhance its effectiveness as a supervisory and oversight body for the global financial system. Later, it was renamed as um, the Financial Stability Board. The G20 received recognition for its instrumental role in preventing a shift towards protectionist policies in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. Moreover, it played a pivotal role in mobilizing consensus to triple the budget of the International Monetary Fund and expand the mandates and lending capabilities of multilateral development banks. In the initial G20 summit, which was held in Washington, as I said, in 2008, a commitment was made to refrain from imposing new trade and investment barriers for a duration of 12 months, a provision that has since been consistently renewed in subsequent summits. The G20 summit in Pittsburgh in 2009 cemented the G20 status as a prominent decision-making body in matters pertaining to the global economy. During this summit, strong and powerful regulations were established for the banking sector, mandating that the banks retain a higher uh, proportion of their profits to bolster their capital reserves. These measures were instrumental in reducing the financial risks associated with high-risk activities in the private sector, which uh, benefited both governments and taxpayers. During the Toronto summit, which was held in um, 2010, the G20 framed directives aimed at reducing sovereign debt. The advanced industrialized nations committed to decreasing their budget deficits and curbing external borrowing. Later, in 2010, during the G20 leaders' meeting in Seoul, 
in the Republic of Korea, they not only adopted more stringent regulations for banks, known as the Basel III norms, but also reached an agreement on reforming the distribution of financial stakes and voting shares within the International Monetary Fund, or IMF. Seoul marked a turning point in the G20's history. It introduced uh, development policy issues onto the summit's agenda. And these eventually became known as the Seoul Consensus. Since then, development has been a consistent and integral part of every subsequent summit's agenda. The summit in Cannes in France in 2011 uh, revolved around the reform of the international monetary system. Moreover, the G20 leaders agreed to establish the Agricultural Market Information System, an interagency platform which was designed to enhance transparency in food markets and to promote international policy coordination during times of crisis. That was a major intervention. In 2012, the summit took place in Los Cabos in Mexico. And the focus was on addressing youth unemployment and promoting the creation of high-quality jobs with social security coverage and equitable income distribution. Additionally, the summit underlined the interconnection between the development agenda, agriculture, and sustainable green growth during the 2030 summit in St. Petersburg in Russia, significant strides were made in combating tax evasion and avoidance. The G20 countries reached a consensus on the automatic exchange of tax-related information and devised an action plan to tackle base erosion and profit shifting, or BEPS. This plan aimed to re-establish regulatory policies to oversee the activities of uh, multinational corporations, which engaged in profit minimization and shifting profits to jurisdictions where the activities generating those profits took place. Now, in 2014, in Brisbane Summit in Australia, the G20 set up an ambitious objective to boost its combined GDP by an additional 2%. Moreover, notable progress was made in banking regulation as finance ministers and central bank governors endorsed the common reporting standard for automatic exchange of tax information. The leaders also gave their support to the Brisbane 25 by 25 initiative, which aimed to reduce the gender gap in the labor force by 25% by the year 2025. In 2015, during the G20 uh, summit in Antalya in Turkey, several important developments took place. The G20 discussed migration and refugee movements for the first time. They decided to work on additional financial sector reforms. And the leaders committed to supporting the Global Climate Agreement, 
They also released a statement which illustrated their joint result to combat terrorism. In 2016, the summit took place in Hangzhou in China. The main goal was this time to boost long-term inclusive growth worldwide. They also aimed the leaders to connect sustainable growth with social well-being. During China's presidency that year, there were several steps uh, in the G20 agenda, which included digital economy as a significant factor for development and growth for the first time. Additionally, G20 leaders agreed to the adoption of G20 Action Plan on 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which has since become the guiding document for G20's work on sustainable development as such. Um, During the presidency of Germany, that is in Hamburg in 2070, the G20 met with the team and I quote, shaping an interconnected world. They gave special attention to dealing with global terrorism. Before the official summit began, there was a G20 leaders retreat, which focused on combating terrorism. The Hamburg Declaration from the 2017 summit supported the Paris Agreement um, and emphasized energy security. It urged multilateral development banks to promote affordable and clean energy for all. G20 leaders committed to aligning their policies with the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the Addis Ababa Action Agenda on Financing for Development. The G20 Africa Partnership, also known as the G20 Compact with Africa, was launched during this summit. Argentina was the president in 2018 when the summit took place in Buenos Aires. Now, Argentina's presidency had specific focus areas, including the future of work, fourth industrial revolution, health, youth infrastructure for development, and sustainable food security. The G20 aimed to continue the work from previous presidencies on various issues like empowering women, combating corruption, improving financial governance, ensuring a strong and sustainable financial system, enhancing global tax fairness, addressing trade and investment matters, promoting climate action, and advancing cleaner energy systems. In 2019, Japan hosted the G20 summit. The summit uh, discussed various important issues, including trade, investment, excess steel production, digitalization, and several other issues. Now, some other issues included data flow with trust, infrastructure investment, and anti-corruption efforts. Climate change, energy, environment, displacement, and migration were also discussed. At the summit, the G20 leaders issued a significant statement which focused on preventing the internet from being used for terrorism and violent extremism. The 15th G20 summit um, had the theme, and I quote, realizing opportunities 
of the 21st century for all, unquote. The summit also made history by being the first virtual one in the G20 history. It took place uh, March 25, 2020. Prime Minister Modi of India initiated an extraordinary virtual G20 leaders summit. The goal was to discuss the challenges brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic and create a coordinated global response. Following the summit, the leaders issued a statement on COVID-19, expressing their commitment to combat the pandemic. They also um, looked to protect the global economy, address disruptions in international trade, and enhance global cooperation to reduce the pandemic's impact to the extent possible. The G20 leaders also pledged to inject over 5 trillion US dollars into the global economy to counter the social and economic repercussions of the pandemic. Under the Saudi presidency, leaders endorsed the Debt Servicing Suspension Initiative, or DSSI and the common framework for debt treatments beyond the DSSI. These initiatives are aimed to offer financial relief to countries burdened by debt and allow them to focus on social security, healthcare, and address the pandemic's economic effects. Until recently, and I'm talking about really 2021, uh, the DSSI has provided relief exceeding um, 5 billion US dollars to more than 45 countries with an extension until the end of 2021. So G20 has primarily been an instrument of economic and market coordination among the top 20 most influential countries in the world, but along the way it has picked up on questions of equitable development and sustainable climate-friendly growth over the years in future. In India, we've had a series of events, in fact one of the contributions of India to the G20 bouquet of institutions is um, a special track called the Startup 20 or the startup encouragement meant really to encourage the startups in all 20 countries. Now, the summit as we speak is going on the whole world. The best and the brightest of the whole world has now come to India. It is up to us to host them with grace, elegance and respect. Do keep uh, an eye on the proceedings of G20 as it carries on. And I'll be back next week with a new episode on History Chatter. Till then, I bid you goodbye and I'll see you soon. This is Anirban, Epilogue Media, History Chatter. Do come back next week.